Hi, this is James Devine, and I am an educator who has come out of the trenches. Listen in as my friend and colleague Dana Goodyear shares stories and tips from other educators who have come out of the trenches. Welcome to the Out of the Trenches podcast. This is Dana Goodyear. Thanks for listening. My next guest is Vicki Weber. Vicki is a musician and an elementary educator with a love for children's literature. As a Puerto Rican author of Taino Descent, she strives to create picture books that are fun, engaging, and educational. All her current titles are based on her background in music education or her heritage. Though she's no longer in the classroom, she, she's one of the coaches at At Home Author where she teaches others to become successfully published too. She's the author of titles like Mirabal's Discovery, Step Into Reading, which is a part of Disney Encanto, and Taino Tales, The Legend of Koki and Rhythm Rescue. Welcome to the podcast, Vicki. Thank you so much for having me. Well, tell me about a time when you were in the trenches and managed to crawl out. Honestly, I feel like my whole first year teaching was one giant trench moment. Um, I really felt like I was focusing on the things I should have been doing rather than listening to my own instincts, listening to and responding to my students. Uh, I was so focused on doing a good job um, in the long run rather than focusing on the little moments and being consistent. I was constantly trying to try something new and trying something new is a very good thing, but only when you have your foundational rules set, your foundational expectations, um, you've built rapport and relationships with your students. So it, it really took me a while to learn that I had to be confident in myself. I had to be confident in what my expectations were. Um, and I had to be more careful about prioritizing, Mm -hmm. um, you know, instead of just kind of flying off the handle anytime I saw something exciting or I felt something wasn't, uh, turning out the way that I wanted instead of throwing everything away, refining and revising rather Mm -hmm. than starting over with something completely new. So I think that's big picture what my, my trench moment was. (laughs) Yeah. And I think a lot of teachers uh, experience that their first several years of teaching, trying to uh, reinvent the wheel, uh, you know, not reaching out for help because um, you may not feel comfortable or you just don't really know who to ask um, and really becoming stressed. And I think that's why a lot of teachers leave so quickly into the teaching profession, the you know first three to five years. Um, but you, um, as I mentioned in the bio, so you are no longer in the classroom. Uh, so you're an author full time. So talk to me a little bit about your decision to leave the classroom. And um, you were in the middle of publishing a book uh, before the pandemic hit. Yeah, I have always wanted to be an author, but I thought that it was something that I would just look back and say, oh, I wish I'd done that. You know, there are plenty of people who out there who say, I want to be president. I want to be a celebrity. I want to play in the mm-hmm. NFL. And it never happens And that's that. I thought that that's what being an author would be for me. Um, But one day my husband asked me, why not? Like, let's figure out how to make this happen. And 
that was the push that I needed to start learning. And what I realized is that getting published is a lot more realistic than most people think. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's, you know, still work. <laughs> There's still, it's still process for sure. Um, but I thought you needed connections or a background in writing, or I, I thought you needed all of these things that you really don't. Uh, you just need to have passion and drive and want to do it and want to mm-hmm. learn. And I do feel like a lot of teachers already have that, you know, we're, yeah. we're lifelong learners. We're, that's who we are. So I worked on my first picture book and it was published in uh, January of 2020. I had another come out in February of 2020. And then in March, the pandemic hit and everything was thrown out of whack. And what I realized was the type of stories I was creating were actually helpful during the pandemic because especially music teachers with all of the like air particles and virtual learning, they didn't have access to instruments uh, or if they did, they didn't have enough for like, they're used to sharing instruments and because of guidelines, they couldn't do that. So I started writing more and more music ed picture books uh, to help music educators teach concepts through stories. And then I also uh, was writing stories about my heritage because there aren't enough of them out there. Um, So I started doing that on the side all while teaching during a pandemic and all the craziness that comes with that. And in April of 2021, I had my daughter and I went on maternity leave. And I never went back to teaching. I knew what it was like to teach in a pandemic. And I was at a very supportive school. I I loved my school. It was my dream school district. And even so, I was being, you know, I was working three times the hours I should have been. I was constantly exhausted. um, And I knew that I couldn't be the, the mom I wanted to be for my daughter if I stayed. And that was just my personal decision, my personal situation. Um, I was not making enough as an author to leave, but I took a leap of faith and took it full time. And within that first month, I made three times what I would have as a full-time teacher uh, in that first month. And so that's when I realized that if I can do this, there's no reason other people can't. And now in addition to my own books, I help other people publish theirs and do that successfully as well. Wow. You know, that is really a leap of faith, you know, when um, you've been in teaching and you're not quite sure um, if you'll be a successful author, but kudos to you on how that worked out um, when, you know, your husband encouraged you like, well, I think a lot of people think like you need to, um, you know, be super um, well-known and have all those connections to be an author. But like you said, it's just having that passion and drive that most educators do. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, something you just mentioned about the multicultural representation. Uh, why is that so essential in children's literature? And um, how do you um, have your uh, heritage represented? And talk to me a little bit about your illustrations as well. So I'm not an illustrator. I wish I was, but I am not (laughs) talented in that way at all. But that's okay because I work with very talented illustrators from all over the world. Um, As far as representation, 
the industry, the, the publishing industry and books in general are headed in the right direction. Um, but in the past, th the only things that were really produced were books with the same, very similar types of characters. Um, and the reason for that was because it was safe. Publishers are businesses and they want to make money. And so when they aren't sure that something is going to sell, in their eyes, it's not worth taking a risk on. And so that's why for so long, one of many reasons, for so long in the industry, the characters in children's books looked the same across the board. But that's also why now there's starting to be change because now people are stepping up to the plate and they're buying diverse literature. There's huge pushes for multicultural characters and um, learning about different people, different cultures, different um, ability levels, different personality styles. More than ever, we're seeing uh, characters representing different groups of people at much higher levels, and it is headed in the right direction. Um, it's so important because when you're a child and you're reading a book, if you never see yourself as the hero or the principal or the teacher or the the cool kid, internally, you start to think that that's not a possibility for yourself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and it doesn't always matter that, you know, your mom and dad say you can be whatever you want to be when the rest of the world is subconsciously telling you otherwise, it's easy to internalize. Um, yeah. And so the more we encourage uh, literature that is diverse, the more subconscious um, possibilities open for our young kids and they're the mm -hmm. future. So that's incredibly important. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And like you mentioned, I I've been seeing that more in recent years. I mean, my kids are now seven, 12 and 14. And I think it's been like more so since my youngest was born and uh, you know, and even just the past couple of years since the killing of George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and everything. But like, like you're saying, it's, it's sad that they were just wanting to be safe. Right. And now like, yeah, we're having this huge explosion. Like it was about time to have cultures <laughs> and, you know, just personality styles, uh, uh, gender identity, sexual orientation represented in children's literature. So um, you told me you don't illustrate your books. Uh, so what kind of illustrator do you use? And like you talked to me about musical books. Um, you had to teach the illustrator a little bit about different instruments and things like that. So I have a, I have a lot of different illustrators because I do work with um, many different projects all at once. Mm -hmm. And different books require different styles. So the Taino Tales series is an indigenous retelling of Taino folklore. Uh, who were the indigenous people in the Caribbean um, wiped out by Christopher Columbus. So that style needs to be a little bit more um, indigenous feeling, uh, a little bit more fairy tale-esque, whereas some of my other books are more, um, more digital art based because that's what's popular. So different books have different styles. You know, lots of Christmas books are you know, traditional watercolor illustrations or traditional hand-drawn. So there's tons of different styles and I work with a lot of different authors. Masha Klott uh, was the illustrator for Laszlo Learns Recorder. 
and she was lovely to work with. Um, I believe she's she's in Russia still, but uh, she did not know anything about music, and so I'm trying to have her illustrate a book about how to play the recorder (laughs) and she didn't know the first thing about that so I had to send her videos and here's how you hold it here's how you play it you know she'd send me an illustration I'd be like "Ooh, can you change this can you tweak this um so it was kind of cool being a music teacher to my illustrators so that she could (laughs) accurately portray the story that was it was pretty fun (laughs) Uh uh-huh uh-huh yeah. And that's like, uh, you want to get the story right. You want to make sure it's accurate. And like when you're working with somebody who just does the art and might not have the same type of background as you, you know, it's a, definitely a, um, it has to be a good working relationship, right. And a lot of communication before, uh, the draft is ready. <laughs> it's a lot more collaborative than you'd think because, you know, the, the words are obviously important, but the pictures tell half the story. And so, yeah. They have to marry each other really well and you have to tap into your illustrator's creativity. You know, they're bringing your words to life. So if it's not matching your vision, you have to help guide them towards your vision, but also use that creative energy and outside perspective of theirs to your advantage. So what inspired your stories and is any uh, thing in your books uh, autobiographical? All of mine are fictional stories. Um, So, you know, they're, they're, they're all retellings of, of some type of fiction, but every book of mine is educational in some way. My musical stories were just inspired by my students. I had a lot of students who didn't like to read, but they loved music. And so I thought there's no reason we can't have more musical books, you know, to encourage you to read. But something like the Taino Tales series, um, there aren't books out there on the Taino. And they're responsible for a lot of things that we have and do today. Maracas, those are a Taino invention. The Guiro, Taino. Hammocks, mm-hmm. Taino. Um, right. Even barbecue, that's a Taino word. Uh-huh. So that was something that I thought more people should know about. And one way to make it fun is to retell their legends and make it come alive. The one book that I do have, that's a little bit autobiographical (laughs) is called Aurora's Orchid. And, um, it was my first book and it's based on the true story of my grandmother. Uh, she planted an orchid in Puerto Rico and it didn't bloom until the day we buried her in Puerto Rico. So, Obviously, I couldn't have a story with just her planting a flower and dying. And that's pretty sad. So I added her children as characters. And so they plant the flower together. um, And we see the children grow and the flower not grow. And it's all about family um, and the lasting impact that you can have on people, you know, long after you're gone. Um, so that's probably the closest thing I have to anything autobiographical, but it's still fiction based. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, your books are also available in Spanish, correct? This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get back to the episode. Not all of them, but most of them, yes. 
a lot of them, the Spanish translations are still in the works. So if you don't see one, you will soon. <laughs> so what is it like being a full-time author and uh, walk me through kind of a typical day? Oh, no two days look alike. There are days I wake up and decide I'm not working today. I don't feel like it. Um, there are other days where I'll wake up. I will go on a walk with my husband. Um, I'll write a little bit, answer my emails, take a long lunch, and then, you know, see how the day goes. It depends on, do I have a podcast interview? Do I have an author visit? Um, but a lot of times I don't. So it's really go with the flow which I like. Um, I always thought I was a morning person. Turns out I'm not. I just felt obligated to be a morning person because school starts so early. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So now I don't even start working until closer to like nine, 10 o'clock-ish, depending on the day. Um, So yeah, it's pretty relaxed. I have lots of time with my daughter. Uh, We go to the park as frequently as we can. And a lot of times when a story idea strikes me, I I don't have to be at a computer. A lot of times I use voice Mm -hmm. notes on my phone or talk to text in a Google Doc on the app on my phone. uh, And that works just as well. Yeah. Yeah. I've talked to another author who does that. um, Like, like, you know, you can really author, start authoring a book from anywhere. So Mm -hmm. um, I think people need to like realize in this day and age, you don't really need in front of the computer you need maybe need to edit because it doesn't get all the words correct but like yeah don't worry about where you're Darn at and what you have. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um you told me in a pre-chat that you like the marketing piece which i think a lot of educators are really um wary of doing and don't have a lot of experience doing so um how do you market well i think the biggest fear people have with marketing is that they'll come across as spammy Mm -hmm. um, or they don't want to go to people and say, buy my book, please buy my book, please buy my book. The reality is that good marketing is just networking and talking about your why. So, you know, it's, it's not sitting in front of a group of people and, and begging them to buy your book. It's talking about why you wrote it. It's, um, you know, engaging with people on social media in conversations about your book. So I have books about music education. I engage with other music educators. I have conversations about what would they like to see more literature about? Um, How, you know, where are the gaps in literature right now? Or we'll just talk about regular music ed things, the crazy things that's happened in our classrooms or our favorite activities, um, because that naturally leads to the content that you've created. Um, I really like marketing. I think it's fun. I don't like talking about myself, but I think it's pretty easy to talk about your why. And when you're writing for children, it's hard to not have a why. (laughs) Um, Usually you want to have some kind of impact on their ability level or, you know, a group being represented in a book usually a story idea comes from a book you wish you had as a child or a book that you wish you could find for your own children. Um, lots of people have a story to tell. And so I think when you think about it like that, marketing becomes a lot easier, less pressure-based. Um, 
you talked about coaching other teachers who'd like to become authors. So um, what are things that you encourage them and how, what are some of the uh, materials that you provide as well? Yeah. So at home author has three coaches. I'm one of them. Um, I am our marketing specialist. Uh, Chelsea Tornetto is our traditionally traditional publishing specialist. And uh, Brittany Plameri is our designer. I also, I do self-publishing as well. I meant to put that in, but um, the three of us are all teachers uh, turned best-selling authors. And the reason we started at home author is because there's a lot of people who want to become published, but the knowledge out there on the internet is not nice and neat in one place. And there's a lot of conflicting information. A lot of coaches will only teach you one publishing route or the other. They'll teach you self-publishing or traditional, and they have very strong opinions about which is better than the other. The reality is they both have pros and cons. And you have to choose what's right for you. I've personally been published traditionally and self, depending on the book. Chelsea's been published by Scholastic um, and Familius. And Brittany Plameri has um, has her own publishing company as a self-publisher. And so there is no right or wrong. There's more than one path to success. And we help people decide what that is based on their priority, based on their budget, based on their story idea, based mm -hmm. on their schedule. And we do that through live Zoom coaching or courses, because again, that depends on how much time you have on your hands, how much help you need and your learning style. Um, just like students, teachers have different learning styles, different time commitments. And so we really try to respect that as well and offer as many things as we can for those uh, diverse learning styles. And, um, you know, you, you mentioned that a lot of teachers, they might not want to leave the classroom. Um, so is it possible for them to become best-selling authors while still having that full-time teacher job? I actually hit best-selling status while I was still teaching. Um, so it's absolutely possible. It is realistic. Obviously, it is work mm -hmm. um, to put in, but it's 100% possible. The only reason I left was because I felt it was right for me. It's not going to be right for everybody. So it was a successful side gig for a while. It wasn't enough. It wasn't making me enough to take me full time. Um, but when I did leave for full time, I just scaled what I already have. Uh, so if if there are teachers out there who just want to publish because they've always wanted to publish, that's realistic. Mm -hmm. If there are teachers mm -hmm. who want to publish because they want side income, that's realistic too. Um, it just comes down to how you want to publish and what your priorities are and having the drive to keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think those are key things. Um, we talked a lot about just um, how you uh, have your culture represented in the books, um, illustrate working with illustrators, um, your first year teaching. Out of everything we talked about on the podcast, what's one thing you'd like listeners to remember? I definitely think just remembering that your dreams are possible. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to get yourself in a position where you doubt yourself, you doubt your ideas, uh, you get stuck in a rut. And 
I think that if, if my husband hadn't said, what if, I don't yeah. know that I would be published today. That was the push I needed. So surround yourself with people who will push you to pursue the things that you want to pursue and seek out the resources that will help you do it. Don't be the thing that, that limits yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's so great to remember. Don't be a thing that limits yourself. Where can people uh, find you online? And uh, do you also have a YouTube channel? I know you do some YouTube read aloud sometimes. Uh, can people find that? Yeah. So any of my books can be found at trunkupbooks.com. That's trunk up books like the elephants. <laughs> um, or you can type my name into Amazon or wherever books are sold. And if you want to publish a book and you need help doing it, um, look at athomeauthor.com uh, or athomeauthor on Instagram or athomeauthor on YouTube for publishing advice. Great, great. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the Out of the Trenches podcast today. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for having me. Check out the show notes on danagoodier.com to learn more about this guest and links to their social media. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you download this podcast. Tell your friends and colleagues about it. And if this episode resonates, especially with you, be sure to share it out on social media and tag me at out of trenches PC. Mm-hmm.